Hello and welcome to For the Love of Merlin. I'm Sonia, and with me is my co-host Mila. Hi, Mila. Hello. Today's episode, episode 42, is the Wicked Fun Carnival Day. We're just going to do a synopsis, right? Like, yep, just yep, yep. Go through just the steps right like it's a normal it. episode. <laughs> a carnival to celebrate Prince Arthur's birthday hides a deadly foe who promises to strike at the very heart of Camelot. Well, that was literal. Pun completely intended. Thank you, person who wrote the synopsis and put a nice little pun about Uther getting stabbed in the heart. So this is where we say farewell to Anthony Head. I bet, and you know what's really funny is like a few episodes ago, you were like, well, it has to be in a season finale. The last couple episodes we were watching have been so big and have been the season premieres. And I was like, she has no idea that episode three was like, oh, and Uther is dead too. So what I, I said is it either has to be the season finale or because you told me that it was a two-parter season started of season four. I was like, maybe it's one of these two first episodes. It wasn't that far away. It's the third episode. It's not to point out you're wrong. It's it's shocking that they would just put it in episode three of a season. I know. It's like, huh, just, just here. They thought we should lose Lancelot and Uther back to back. I'm like, okay, why are you doing this to us? Yes, things escalated quite quickly here in season four. So you're getting the whole like, oh, season four is darker theme. Is that coming through real loud and clear? Yeah, thank you very much. I understood. Look, at the end, all you can say is Uther's dead because that's a big fucking deal. But a lot of things happen in this episode. A lot. Oh my God, so much. Colin Morgan and... Alice Troughton were the commentary for this. And it's funny because they mentioned like you got the script and you couldn't have anticipated the end from how it began. So true. Also, I was clearly in denial because I'm like, he's going to live, right? Up to the very end, I'm like, they're going to figure this out. But no, he's really dead. It's hard not to be in denial because how many times have we seen Uther on his deathbed? A million at this point? A lot. A lot. Yeah. We're used to seeing Arthur and Uther dying on their bed and Gaius fixing it, Merlin fixing it, someone fix it. You got what you wanted, though. He kind of redeemed himself. It was a huge bummer to see him go. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that it's just like not a huge foe that's known to everyone and a huge battle. It all happens in the room. It's an unknown person that also dies and nobody cares about. And it's just done. It's over. Yeah. Played by Phil Holden, who Alice Troughton could not have spoken more highly about. She was so excited to have him. Nothing to do but start. That's true. Let's do this. It starts happy. It starts so happy. That's the trick with this, right? The writing is like such a cruel... It's kind of cruel in this episode because it begins, the carnival's coming in, circus performers, and Merlin's so happy, and Arthur is grouchy, which I don't think Arthur should like his birthday. Uh, Let's all remember that's the day when his mom died. Yeah. And now it's also when his father was mortally wounded, so Arthur officially has the worst birthday ever. But, you know, I have to say, this beginning, I love a traveling circus troupe. Yeah. With their cart and everything. I love, love, love. Loved the way that that cart was done. Very, very good. Loved all the extras for the circus, the performers. And I love this interaction. 
between Merlin and Arthur right at the beginning. Yeah, Arthur's super grouchy and it's just funny. But you kind of know right away, right? We get Arthur and Merlin, it's so fun, the circus is here, they're being bantery. I love how now they're just like doing it for fun in this scene. They leave the camera on Colin, Colin does a little look. It's as close as you're ever going to get to a, a wink to camera from this show. Like, this is fun, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. And they and you know that's like it's all in good fun. Mm-hmm. Arthur's not really mad at Merlin when he's like, Oh, because you have a, the mind of a child, but I'm still more intelligent than you. It's like I heard that, and then there's the laugh. They are just playing with each other right away. The next thing that I have in my notes is, well, I guess these are bad guys. Oh, these entertainers sure are saying some things in weird tones, huh? <laughs> suspicious suspicious there's a lot of fake outs though like i like the fake out of ooh the daggers the daggers must be bad yeah then we see uther come to life this is the only time that anthony had spoken a full sentence this whole season and he looks more awake and alive Mm -hmm. there's some infusion of joy for being his son's birthday that got him to just wake up a little bit Yeah, and he wants to go to the party. So let's party. Yeah. With Uther. The feast is gorgeous. Everything about this is great. Although I hear it was torture to film because, God, that takes a long time. That's a lot of different sections of a room. to. (laughs) You have to have, like, a full room when you're doing those wide shots. And it's a lot of little parts. Yeah, and for those who don't know how things are filmed, if you film in one direction... It takes hours for you to change the cameras to film in the other direction to get all of the room, to get all of the reactions of the people that are sitting around that table. So, you know, it's a lot. It was really funny listening to, I think it was Julian in a commentary about the episode with the round table, about how he purposefully shot a scene around the round table just in one direction to save them like hours of filming. He's like, because you got to light everything to match what just happened on the opposite side. I don't blame them. I think I would do the same thing. Well, it's it's a classic, right? We get the knife throwing. That is Bradley on that wheel the whole time. Colin said he was kind of bummed when he got the script that he wasn't going to get to do it. And then he did catch a glimpse of what was happening. He was probably on the same soundstage. And he was like, never mind. I'm good. <laughs> Amazing. I don't know how much time Bradley spent upside down, but a lot it's a classic it's the knife throwing everyone's reactions and then the fake out i love the last knife goes the slow-mo and everyone has a bad reaction so i at this point i was a little confused because with the slow-mo i didn't know if merlin had changed the course of the knife or if he was just seeing things in slow motion so we can see things in slow motion after that i when they're talking about the apple being the sedative and everything is like, oh, okay, so they did not use magic. And it was just for us to see just a fake out, like I said. Yeah, it's a good fake out. And it's a smart decoy. The plan is a smart one. Very smart. Don't kill him in front of everyone and get yourself murdered instantly. (laughs) Alice brought this up and I got it. I've said this before. Bradley's extraordinary at pulling faces, getting knocked out, The face he pulls when they do the close-up on him and he's just relieved and his eyes just like roll back. He's got like that surprisingly elastic face. Yeah. And like a gift for expressions that is a blessing in comedy. 
Merlin takes him to his room. He seems drunk. Merlin has no idea that he's drugged. This whole sequence is also hilarious. The whole pants. <laughs> it's very tongue-in-cheek, this whole opening of the show. I think throughout the episode, you get a vibe of them being a lot more grown up than we're, we've seen them in the past. I mean, a lot of time keeps passing between seasons, so they're very adult when they talk to each other to the point where Merlin's not even stressed about making fun of him. He's just like is standing there. So it's a it's a new vibe between them where it's like very chill. Like they know the joke. They're both in on it. Yeah, Merlin just give him the facts. Like this is why you shouldn't walk around because you your pants are not on. Yeah, he goes to Uther. First of all, the guards. You're standing right there. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm sure these guards will help. Not. Not one bit. Not one bit. During this whole scene, I don't know how many times Arthur calls out for the guards and nobody comes. It's like a full 10 minutes. And I'm like, how has nobody come yet? Even the guards outside, like, let's say the guy knocked them out. There should be other guards within earshot of the king and the prince screaming for help. Yes. I would also hope that a castle is kind of echoey, you know. We always talk about the echo. Your voice travels far, so I would hope that there would be more people at least doing rounds that would see the guards there on the floor if the guy had knocked them out and be like, uh, something's wrong. I'm surprised Merlin doesn't run in. He's not that far away, I don't think. Maybe this is the one day that he went back home, went to sleep. Screw this. I'm going home. Okay, bye. <laughs> You're drunk. I can't deal with this. Bye. Anyway, I love this fight. I love the director, Alice, so much because we have what seems like a very similar affinity for The Princess Bride. She talked about it a couple episodes ago. She talked about it again this episode because she talked about how she watched a lot of old swashbuckling fights like classics. And this fight called back to a lot of, I think it was Robin Hood, she said, the candelabra falling over. And she wanted to give Uther like a really big exit, a really good fight. And Uther really holds his own. And it's such a good fight. I'm not going to tell you to stop this podcast. Okay, we're at episode 42. If you've been listening to us and you still haven't seen Princess Bride, I'm going to cry. Don't make Sonya cry. Please don't make me cry. Also, I recently watched the COVID home movie fundraiser version. It is amazing. I'm really big on We Don't remake classics. There's no reason. They're a classic for a reason. They're perfect as is. Don't touch it. You shouldn't touch Princess Bride unless you're going to do what they did, which was like this silly, amazing home movie with all these celebrities. Uh, it's great. It's great. It's amazing. Everyone did such a good job. It's I don't even understand how they managed to put this together. <laughs> Like everyone just recording parts of the movie from their own home. And I just, it's. People got really creative. There was the sword fight between Inigo Montoya, the count, mm -hmm. where every time the reverse shot happens, he's holding a different sword. <laughs> I was cracking up. <laughs> it was, it's so great. They got really, really creative and it looks like they had so much fun. That's why it's great. Even though they were making it from far away. Yeah. So that aside is staying in this podcast because it's important because you should see Princess Bride because the director is referencing this. It's important. It is important. And someone bothered to like bootleg the whole charity thing from COVID onto YouTube. So go watch it. Anyway, this is devastating. This whole episode is a reminder for me of how incredible Bradley James is 
in super serious emotional scenes because he doesn't get them very often because of this character. And we're always ready to praise how swashbuckling he is and how funny he is. But man, is he the best? I mean, he's so great at everything. But to me, Bradley James is the best version of himself as an actor in these emotional scenes. He guts me. It's a big reason why one of the future episodes of Merlin is one of my favorites. Because getting to see him process emotions as an actor is beautiful. When Uther is laying in his arms and he's breaking, trying to call the guards, it just kills me. I'm getting teary-eyed now. When his voice cracks, it also broke me. I'm like, oh my God, he's so great at really coming through with that desperation that my father is dying and the camera is right on his face. And that's really hard. It's really hard to do when it's such a close-up like that. It was so good. I thought that this was going to be it, you know? I mean, I I remember hearing something about someone fixing somebody else with magic. But yeah, after this, I was like, I think he's actually dead. Yeah, it's hard to believe he's not dying. They even showed blood, which is new for this show because it doesn't usually get past the network because it's a family show. It's very sad. It's very sad. I'm glad they gave Uther this big exit, though. There's so many great things about that scene. I could go back to it. There's a part where, like, the shadows on the walls of them fighting. Yes. She's really good at casting shadows with lighting. Anyway, look. Then we have Anthony Head, right? That thing you were talking about recently. It's very emotional on set when someone's going to leave. Colin and Alice talked about how it was a weird vibe on set a lot of the days. You're losing Anthony Head, and that sucks. They're all friends. They're all close. They like working with him. And... When it's one of your more established elder actors of such a young cast, he's kind of like the de facto leader of a lot of the energy that happens. Like, Bradley James is a huge Buffy fan. He would have really looked up to Anthony Head. And he delivers this, I've always loved you. He even says, I put Camelot first. I wasn't a great father. He does go out having said the things he's supposed to say. I know that you make me proud, as you always have. When Arthur says, I'm not ready, he says, you've been ready for some time, which it's so nice. I I feel like it's so nice to hear that from Uther just because he knew it. He just wasn't able to express it, what he really thought of his son. And that's also extra sad in this moment. He's also kind of ready. He's like, it's my time. Yeah. He's not living a great life right now. And he got to survive by saving his son's life. That is my favorite part of how this was written, that Uther actually died saving Arthur's life. Yeah. Not by some magical creature. Obviously, the person who killed him hated Uther, but I just, I like that he died with a purpose. He had a purpose, and not a purpose for Camelot, like he said, a purpose to Arthur, to save Arthur. Because the killer is after Arthur. They don't care about Uther. Yeah. To be honest, because they are a hired killer by Odin. Exactly. Still with that, I love that storyline that comes back from two seasons ago. The jousting episode. Yes, he didn't stop. Heavy. Anyway, Gaius comes and basically confirms that it's fatal. Thank you. Arthur is not really in... Well, Arthur is in denial. The whole the whole episode. He's saying there is something that you can do. Well, because he's used to it. 
I've seen almost dying all the time and you guys did something that worked. So do it again. I have a lot of things to say about this episode later. Okay, look, Agravain goes to Morgana, breaks the news. And I'm like, see, Morgana, how useless you are. This guy just got into the castle and stabbed somebody. Like, how many years have you been trying to kill these people living <laughs> in the same space as them? She's been in the same room as this guy for years wanting to kill him. And I'm like, look, that was easy, wasn't it? And these two have the weirdest vibes on earth <laughs> together. I mean, I'm so confused. Like, is it paternal or are you sexually attracted? <laughs> it's so weird. And that's all the praise in the world to Nat and, and Katie. Yes. That's not derogatory towards their acting. It's great. It's just funny because I'm like weirded out every time they're in a scene together. <laughs> like, is maybe this the scene that you guys are going to kiss or try to murder each other? I'm not really sure. I'm not sure what's happening here. They go back for a magic window vigil, which they always point this out in the commentary. So let's say it once. Let's remember, whenever they're looking out there, they're looking at nothing. Colin and Bradley were looking at a stage floor with some props on it. Some storage area. I love it. I love it. I also love that this is literally the same scene. Literally the same thing. Because I'm so happy you remember that. When this scene started, I'm like, oh, remember when Uther said that people already gave up on Arthur and then came a line? I'm like, oh, my God, they're repeating the same thing. It's great. It's great for anyone who notices that he's basically having the same attitude as, as Uther. I'm like, yeah, you are your father's son. You really are. He's like, well, I'm not giving up. How dare they? It's like, dude, they're just trying to be nice. They're really just trying to be nice. We've had serious conversations between Merlin and Arthur while knights slept around them or in a life or death situation. But this is like a, a calm and quiet of Camelot. This is where I'm starting to feel like they're grownups now. There's a different vibe here. They're really a lot more mature. The friendship is a lot more obvious. They're a lot closer because there's less of the need to repel that idea away. Definitely. I agree. Arthur drops a bomb on Merlin's head. He's like, I'm going to save him with magic. And Merlin's eyes are like, hmm? What? Excuse me? What did you say? Again, like uh, like father, like son. You know. How dare they have a vigil and uh, I'm going to use magic. How about that? How about I repeat my father's plan that saved me? Back home, there's a bit of a, a like a quiet grown-up confrontation between Gaius and Merlin. Gaius is not happy about this whole, I'm going to use magic to save Uther thing. I get it. I mean, obviously, in the end, Gaius is only proven right. <laughs> We'll get into the details of that later. I know Uther's dying and it's depressing, but I can't help but be excited in this scene because I know that this means that dragoon is coming. I mean, this in this scene, obviously I knew that Gaius was not going to be able to convince Merlin otherwise. He does have a good point. Do you think that Uther will thank you for healing him with magic? No, he's probably going to hang you. But I understand Merlin's side saying, hey, I can change Arthur's mind, which is going to be the next king. So I'm just focusing on the future here. And I got to try. This is Merlin's big chance. And he's going to take it. And this is grown up Merlin putting his foot down with guys. He's like, don't even try. You're not going to change my mind. It's, it's set. Poor Gaius. I feel for him this whole episode. Richard Wilson is amazing. He's so good. He's so good. He's actually shocked that he's like, don't even. We all know this is going to end badly, right? Did you have any illusions at this point that this was going to end well? I don't know. Because Uther got revived so many times. You know, me 
up to the end of this episode, I seriously thought that they were going to fix it. Because I also was like, it's the third episode. They're not going to kill you in the third episode. <laughs> exactly. It's a good trick. I got you. It is a great trick. It's a great trick. And I love at the end of this scene when Gaia says, Merlin, you're playing a dangerous game. And he says, hey, I've been playing a dangerous game since I arrived in this town. It's like every moment of my life has lived in fear of getting murdered by Uther. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so this is my chance. Thank you very much. He's going to disguise himself. I'm not going to know it's Merlin. It's fine. It's fine. Totally fine. I could argue so many things that Merlin is right about. I will later. Merlin and Arthur have a little tete-a-tete. And we're back at this whole, like, in these moments, when Arthur is in his greatest need, who does he turn to? And I say that knowing that there's a deleted scene later where he tells Gwen what he's planning to do. And he says to her, yours is the opinion I care about the most. I beg to differ. I feel like he trusts Merlin to give him his honest opinion. I do think he trusts Gwen like that, but I think they're closer in a different way. A lot of the times you don't ask your partner, if you have a partner, for advice, you go ask a friend. I don't think it's a competition between Gwen and Merlin. I think they just play different roles in his life. Yes. I also think like the shows about this relationship, classically, Merlin has always been the advisor to King Arthur. That is the story you're telling. How it gets there is the story you're telling. It's sweet that there's a line later in that a deleted scene where he says to Gwen, I won't have secrets from you. I don't think he plans to be distant with his wife. If you're looking at the time period, even though it's a fantasy, your spouse wasn't necessarily your advisor. <laughs> yes, you had other people to advise you on what you should do. Also, he loves Gwen, and that's great. And he wants to be with Gwen and marry Gwen, and that's not not serious. But we always come back to the fact that the person who's there all the time is Merlin. That's who he's used to confiding in. That's who he's used to getting advice from. Gwen is like a really close second. Yes, I didn't see it as a competition either. I really don't. No, I just think that line is a lie. I'm like, no, you went to Merlin for advice. <laughs> Well, they cut it, so I guess they thought it was a lie also. And at this scene, he asks, if you were me and this was your father, what would you do? And Merlin answers and he said, get the horses ready, we're leaving. I'm thinking in my head, how are you going to pull this off? You're with him all the time. How is this going to happen? It's really hard this episode because obviously it's about Uther dying. It's about losing Anthony Head, which sucks. It's about Arthur becoming king. It's, it's a lot about the big things that happen, and they are quite huge. But I love the comedy moments of this episode. It's so hard to think of how funny these moments are in such an upsetting episode. This is also such classic comedy moments of you just... You go in and then the other person goes out and then you're like, keep missing each other. And it's, it's so great. I'm so glad they did it this way because we really needed this small com comedic reliefs in the middle of the episode because it's such a big episode and heavy one. Yeah, we're going because Merlin's given his advice. Unfortunately, something happens. Arthur and Agravain. No, Arthur, do not confide in this piece of shit. Why? My note is precisely, oh, fuck. Don't tell him. 
You want to know whose fault it is that Uther is dead? Yours, because you fucking trust this guy. <laughs> That's so mean. I'm sorry. I'm tired of blaming Merlin for everything. <laughs> Arthur should learn to trust Merlin and Gwen, and that is it. Full stop, end of list. Do not talk to people. Exception is Gaius, but Gaius usually gets his news from Merlin, so don't worry about it. I mean, he goes and says, I don't want to go behind your back. Go behind his back. <laughs> don't tell him. I don't care. Just do what you have to do and shut up. More importantly for me, I don't want to call it... Uh, there's a confusion for me in this episode that is massive. We all remember when Morgos told Arthur how his mother died. Oh my god, I have a, I have a beef with this also. We all know that Arthur fought with Uther and Merlin stepped in and said it's a lie. And now, in this episode, all of a sudden, Arthur seems to be convinced and filled and, and pervasive just knowledge of the fact that his mother was killed by magic. How would he know that without blaming Uther? There's not one without the other. You can't. You can't. No, you can't. And Agravain just throws that information there saying you can't do this you can't use magic your mother died because of magic he's like yeah you know i know that i'm like no 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 no. we went through this you don't believe it you fought your father and then you believed merlin when he told you that the sorcerer was playing with your head so you don't believe this story that's also in the deleted scene with gwen he says she says i have a complicated relationship with magic my father died because of it. And he says, yes, I know my mother died too. I'm really, I'm annoyed about this because it's a huge hole in the story. It's huge. A, a plot hole I could drive a truck through. Honestly, it's the second biggest plot hole of the whole series. <laughs> There's one that's worse. You know, I, then I started thinking about it. Were we supposed to believe that, yes, Arthur figured out that his mother died because of magic? but didn't blame Uther for it, blamed the sorcerer that killed his mother. I don't know how could that can be possible. But like, again, a sorcerer didn't kill his mom outright. And what he was mad about was Uther not telling him and the vengeance Uther took on magical people. Again, I don't, it's a big thing to leave out how we got from there to here. It's not, I'll let go of the idea that it's a plot hole, but the fact that we never got from that scene to this scene with an explanation on what Arthur believes, an explanation of how Arthur got from there to here. It's a big fucking leap. It's a huge leap from that to this with nothing between it. No mention. Because at the end of that scene, Uther says, I swear to God that I would never hurt you. I want to hurt your mom. And he didn't. He really didn't want to hurt her. He didn't know that she was going to die. She did it anyway, so I'm not sure if we were supposed to believe that Arthur was blaming the sorcerer because what his mom says at that scene is that, oh, your father betrayed me. And so maybe he doesn't believe that it was a betrayal and he doesn't blame his father, but knows now that his mom died by med. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to justify things here. Me too. Because I'm upset about how this is written. Also, again, I keep going back to this deleted scene. The deleted scene with Gwen, I actually wish would have stayed in. Because besides the fact that I disagree that she's the number one on the list for advice giving, she's number two. He says to Gwen, 
a lot of important things about his beliefs. He says, I don't believe all magic people are bad. I feel like we've been living in fear and hatred and it's clouded our vision about the truth about these people. Those are very big statements that he never got to make because it was deleted. That's huge. It's huge. Anyway, whatever. I mean, look, maybe everyone listening to us doesn't agree. There is no issue with this. I just think it's funny that we're both like, wait, what? (laughs) It's like, screech, the car, you know? That's how I was in the scene. Yeah, I wrote, wait, stop everything. No. What? Since when? Since when is that what you believe happened to your mom? What? That's when I'm like, you screech and stop, and then you're like, do you know, do you want to know how we got here? And then you're like, rewind the tape and show us what happened so we got to this moment in time. A very like 80s take on this would be yes. to just have the record screech and be like, I know you're probably wondering how we got here. <laughs> Narration. I love it. Straight into a flashback of Arthur having one conversation about this with Uther after the fight. Just one conversation. That's all because we're not asking for much. You don't have to rewrite history. We just need to know. What did he believe at the end of that? Because I thought the only reason he gave up on killing Uther was because he thought none of it was true. Right. Anyway, I guess we have to just accept what happened and move on. You know. Here it is. This is when things get important. Merlin and Arthur ride off to this hut. The same fucking exterior that Lance and Merlin rode to in the last episode. Same interior. (laughs) Yes. I was like, it's coming soon. Listen, I'm happy for them to reuse the set. No one would have noticed. I did because... I love it too much. Well, it's that one time it was a night and now it's during the day. So it's slightly different. <laughs> like it's not the same place. It looks different, right? They redecorated inside. They get there and Merlin delivers a bunch of excuses about charcoal, which is great. But the best excuse ever. I love this moment so much, not just because of the sincerity in which Colin delivers the line, but because it sounds like something that we would say <laughs> where you just look blankly at someone. You're like, I have to pee. <laughs> I love it. I think my favorite line of this is, I think a lot of sorcerers are in the charcoal business. <laughs> I stop laughing. I like, I look at my notes and I start laughing because it's so funny to me. I was online recently and someone was having a little rant about how Merlin is always mad at Gaius for giving a bad excuse if he's at the tavern, but he's not so great at excuses himself. I'm like, this is pretty great though. <laughs> This is pretty great. And I love how Merlin went through the whole process of like, even sorcerers have to survive somehow, you know? He sells charcoal. There, there, There's probably a lot of them in the business. Well, he goes to pee. He's just trying so hard to just get rid of Arthur. I'm going to do something that's important to me for this episode that we don't usually do on the show. I hope you enjoy it. You. Oh, we meet again, Arthur Pendragon. You have come to kill me. No, that wasn't my intention. I broke a pot. You always were a clumsy fool. Excuse me? (laughs) 
Okay. Look, <laughs> a lot of things happened in that scene. But I love too much with my whole heart. This is my favorite scene of the entire show. <laughs> Not because it's exemplary of the show, but I cannot handle it. It doesn't matter how many times I see it. Bradley saying, I broke your pot like that. I mean, even during the commentary, Alice was like, wait, wait, wait. Like, made sure they weren't talking just so they could hear him go. I broke your pot. <laughs> it's just the way I don't even know how to describe how funny that is to me. And amongst other things, my favorite line of the whole show, I think, is I take it you didn't come all this way just to smash my favorite pot. <laughs> I love that they made this whole thing about a pot that was just an accident. And you don't really think anything in the beginning, but it becomes a thing, you know? Because this is what the writers are good at. This is like the rat. This is like everything is like, it's just this little thing that happens and then it just escalates. I mean, there's, this is a treasure trove of amazing things that happens here. The the way he gets behind the curtain and like snickers because he's having fun fucking with Arthur. He just like is enjoying it way too much. I mean, we've gone on and on at length about how amazing Colin Morgan is in this prosthetic he did talk about it a little bit saying, you know, you do have to adjust how you move. And he spent time in the mirror with the prosthetic to see how it reacts to his movements, because you can't just assume that it translates the same facial facial expression as it would without the prosthetic. But I adore those two lines way too much. It take it you didn't come all this way to smash my favorite pot is just so funny to me, especially because like, I have questions, you know, like, who the fuck's house is this? <laughs> Seriously, though, nobody's home. Maybe they were killed by the Doraka. Who knows? It's just an empty house now. Oh, yeah, it's an empty house. It's that guy. He took him to the same house. It's really far away. Could be, could be that guy. He was already dead a few weeks ago. Maybe it is the same house because he's just cutting up their an dead animals like for food. Like he's just cooking. I love how he he's like totally at home in this place. He's like, let's get this chicken. And he starts basically chopping vegetables like he's just living in the house what you doing there Merlin this isn't your house we don't know whose house this is I love one of the, my favorite things about Dragoon is that he hisses a lot like a cat like when he doesn't like something yeah he makes a face and it's obviously you said that Colin practice a lot and he shows because it's really funny it's funny and it is a big performance and I love it it was really funny listening to him watch himself. You can tell he does not want to. Especially he says it's really weird in the prosthetic to watch yourself perform that because you don't, you know, you're watching yourself, but it doesn't look like you. But those those two lines, but especially, yeah, the snickers, the little like grunts at everything, the little like, oh, you can use my servant's horse. And he goes, ah! and I'm just like these sounds. What are these sounds that you're making? <laughs> And I was just going to comment on this. I think his voice is better and more natural than the first time that we've seen this character. Mm. And I feel like the sounds too. He just added more sounds than even the first time. Yeah. Every expression comes with a sound. To me, the same way that Colin has perfected this character, 
Merlin has too. That was my idea watching it. It's like, oh, the first time you didn't really know how to behave. Now you're a little more into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, even small details, like when he's cutting things, like his hands, the fact that they put the aging on his hands, it looks crazy good. It looks perfect. Yeah. It's amazing. The prosthetic is amazing. I'm going to leave us with one more special treat. Now just bite here one moment. Why? Questions. So many questions. For once in your life, would you just do what you're told? I can feel how much the character of Merlin would have been waiting six years to tell Arthur that. Like, for once in your life, would you just do as you're told? Because we know the biggest criticism of Merlin. <laughs> you just don't do as you're told. I also love that this scene as much comedy as he has it touches in some very important points because when Arthur offers offers the reward Marlon Dragoon gets to say I don't I don't I don't want your gold I don't want anything all I ever wanted is that people like me can live in peace and the exchange and the trade is that you have this is what I want this is my price and Arthur accepts it This is so important. Obviously, you'll come to backfire later, but it's very important. Yes. I revel in the comedy of this scene, but I don't want to let that go by. It's an incredibly important scene because this is the one thing Merlin wants. It is his greatest wish in his whole life. It's the one thing he's been hoping for. And it is really to Colin's credit that he can really keep transitioning through the scene between funny and sincere it's the most important thing to him but it doesn't preclude him from having fun with Arthur in this circumstance because he finally has a leg up on him and yeah that he can keep switching between the comedy and the seriousness of how much this means to him is great amazing I love it so much which is why I went and pulled the clips because I had to I can't say those lines the way they said them and it's important that we hear them one more time <laughs> and while we were listening to that yes the music like you can even without seeing it you know he walked in because there's that little magical music cue of like ooh, magic sprinkle and it's so funny because I feel like you use different sensory um, parts of your being to watch a show but I feel that a lot of the times When we watch shows, we are just, we close our ears for the music and for the sounds of a show, and we just concentrate on the lines. And to me, it's so important to expand that awareness into all of this work that people put behind just making, not even making a show, but creating an aesthetic and like a sensation for you. And us just listening to this clip, me and Sonia were just mouthing the words to each other on camera, just saying the music is amazing. And you can, it's the first thing that you notice when you start listening to this clip. It's great because I know exactly when, when he walks in, I know exactly what's happening because the music is so on point. Even though you don't hear it actively when it happens, it affects you subconsciously. Yes. Well done on everything. I love this scene too much. The scene is why Dragoon is just my favorite thing this show ever did. 
At least this time, Merlin came prepared with a potion. He didn't prepare an excuse, but he prepared his potion to, to go back. He did. He was in the bush, though. And I love Arthur's, like, there's definitely something very wrong with you. It's okay. Now he just thinks Merlin has bladder problems. It's fine. We can we can live with that. <laughs> That's okay. But then we go back home and, oh my God, I did really notice the dismount this time. And I'm going to, I really have to share with you why, okay? I have changed the way I dismount through my life. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's not a, it's just that it's funny because Colin and Bradley do opposite things. And it's really small. Bradley takes his foot out of both feet out of his stirrups and then jumps off. Uh, Colin does what I do, which is swing your leg and then take your stirrup off and, and drop down. I don't know why this is so important to me. It's maybe because I've put too much thought into like what the right way to dismount is for me in my life. So when I watch them get off, when they get back to Camelot, I was like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> I dismount the same way that you do. I just think it's easier. Also, like, I'm quite short. My legs are like, it's a long way down from a horse for me <laughs> and my short legs. For me too. It's just, uh, yeah, it would be a... It would be a big jump. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do this. I take it one step at a time here, like one side and then the other. <laughs> I think it's because like the times I've dismounted the other way, I've been like felt a little unstable about it. And I've been like, that doesn't feel good. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, definitely hurt my knees here. But, you know, we'll dismount some other way next time. <sighs> Sorry, kids. Anyway, look. Merlin is super excited, and I love that Gaius is really worried, but he's he's going to help him. Yeah. He steps in, and he's like, you're reading the wrong book, <laughs> first of all. Still cares about what Merlin wants, so he's like, okay, well, I can't stop you, so I might as well make sure you succeed, right? Oh, my God. More comedy moments, because this is also one of my favorite little gems that's ever happened on this show. He's helping out, and we hear the infamous... Merlin scream and I'm just like oh god here we go I don't know if you knew that Colin was hiding behind the door that is the best part of this <laughs> it is I mean I do love I really watched Richard and he was so funny the way he just it was kind of like throwing away the lines but really just it could be at the tavern like <laughs> And now, now you know. I wanted to keep this from you last time. Like, this is a running joke now. The tavern thing is a problem now. Now we're at the point where Arthur thinks his servant is a useless drunk who goes to the tavern any chance he can. And when Bradley closes the door, the face that Colin is making kills me. It's It never stops being funny. And the way he says, why'd you tell him I was at the tavern? <laughs> it was the first thing that came to my mind. First of all, starting at the very, very beginning of the scene, I love, love, love that in those very small movements of Gaius, you can see that he was just scrambling a split second ago, and now he's just holding the book. It's like, I was standing here the whole time reading this book. I'm just standing with a book. That's what I do. And I did not expect him to be behind the door, and his face is priceless. <laughs> That face and that read of that line is so funny. He's just like so disappointed in Gaius. <laughs> Why would you do that? It's like just say the second or third thing that you think the next time. No more tavern. <laughs> that has got to end. 
It's also extra funny because of Colin's body language. And he's like holding these things, <laughs> like these little plants. And he doesn't move. It's just his face as the door is swinging closed. <laughs> oh, God. It's the tiny things. I always say that. The Treasure is a show like this because they do the big things right for the most part. These little moments can happen because you can really start to focus in on this little stuff. And that's when it becomes brilliant, right? Because this little nothing, this this would be nothing in a script, right? It's a throwaway. It's barely, it's like a little joke, but it's so funny. So funny. So Gaius wishes him good luck, breaks my heart a little bit. Richard. Ugh. So good. Colin had very, very sweet things to say about Richard Wilson, which I love. <laughs> oh my God, it warms my heart. Me too. Over at the lower gate. Dragoon and Arthur meet up. It's like you almost forget how serious the stuff is going on because now we're like straight into another funny scene. You could forget what's about to happen. I mean, come on. He rides Arthur like a horse. I don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> and that's the thing. I feel like because this episode was not very heavy and somber for the whole time, I had a little bit of hope that things were going to turn out okay up to the end. That's why it's brilliant, because it's not like hitting you over the head with like, this is bad, 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 bad. Arthur's going to be upset and Uther's dying and all this stuff. But that whole, did you just kick me? I love it too. Can, can we keep Dragoon forever? But now we get to the serious part where we're at Uther's room. Arthur dismisses the guards who... Honestly, they could stay or leave. Doesn't really matter. Uh, you don't have to hide as much as you think you do. That's that's what I thought the last time. I'm like, first of all, you're the prince. You can do whatever you want, as far as I know. Second of all, very useless anyway, so it doesn't really matter. They're not going to notice Dragoon walking in because they don't notice anything. What's there to say, but this is devastating. Look, Alice and Colin were talking about how in this moment, Merlin gets to say the thing he's always wanted to say to Arthur when he gives him his speech about magic. Arthur, it's really funny because I didn't really, I didn't know if I understood it until Alice brought it up. Arthur's scared of magic. Seeing it this close up with his father there, it freaks him out. He's really freaked out. Yes, I have it in my notes. He's having doubts. He's like, as he's about to do, he's like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait a second. And it's really beautiful that Merlin says, hey, Magic is all around us. Your life has been saved by magic so many times. Like, what do you mean? It's like, wait, let me tell you what I meant. If only I could tell you what I actually meant. I've been following you for like 10 years, saving your I own. meant that magic is woven into the fabric of life. And not all magic is the same. Not all sorcerers are the same. And I just want you to know that magic can be used for good. So it's literally everything that he wanted to say, he got to say it at this point. Yeah, too bad. that I kind of skipped over it, but we all know. Fucking Morgana sent the amulet of death over. You know, in that scene with Morgana making this amulet, I'm like, has she surpassed Merlin's magical knowledge because she got to have like intensive training? I think so. I believe so. And I really do believe that there's some part of her that got stronger because Morgos died. Mm -hmm. I think also she gets to live like a full-time magic life for a while now. So I think in the knowledge of using her powers, she's surpassed him. Yes. I don't think she's more powerful than him, though. I agree. She's trained. And unfortunately, like, he and guys don't spend, like, all night at the dinner table, like, studying magic. 
Right. He also has regular human people, I mean, non-magical person duties to the prince. He's very busy most of the times. Yeah. He studies at three in the morning in his room. I know. Poor guy. So Uther dies. Anthony Head is so good in this scene. It's just, I mean, you don't do anything. You wake up, you say Arthur, and then you die. But I can feel his last breath getting out of him. Yeah. So amazing. It's amazing. And a bummer. Such a bummer. Such a great actor. Such a great actor. You're going to miss him every episode, I swear. Look, I already missed him this season because he's like barely in it. I'm like, where is Uther? Here's the part where I start to get real cranky, okay? I believe my notes read, uh, are the writers trying to kill me? Really? No one finds the super obvious amulet? Why? Oh, wait. Guy has found it. I have an idea. Tell Arthur. What the fuck was this decision? This I will never agree with. I will never be okay with the writers doing this. It makes no fucking sense. And would have turned everything around. Of course, it's Morgana's fault. You have to, like, we don't have to debate how she got it onto him. You don't, like, find an amulet that killed him and let Arthur think that it's Dragoon's fault. I am very annoyed. I have in all caps on my notes, tell Arthur. Because to me, first of all, it was around his neck and his shirt was open. There is no way that this was around his neck when we filmed that scene. Because we didn't see it. I wanted to see a tiny bit of a chain, at least, so we know that it was there. Second of all, it doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't tell, Hey, Arthur, this is a symbol of the old religion. Morgana was trying to kill your dad. The sorcerer actually fixed him, but this amulet killed him because he reversed the spell. Why don't you explain what's going on? He's not a child. Explain to him what happened. Oh, is it better to let him think all magic is evil? This is also, I'm not sure about this because I've never had to podcast about a, a show like this. I am undecided and you don't know the future. So I'm going to say this might have been the moment where they could have, if not had Arthur find out about Merlin, because that's pretty far, changed Arthur's mind. And I don't know if I agree with like keeping the status quo going forward. I definitely don't agree with it. I don't agree with it because, because the thing is, now they know that Morgana is on to them. They know it. It's not like they're trying to protect Morgana and be like, oh my God, she's such a nice girl. She's like in the castle. Uther's already dead. Morgana is away. They know that she's evil. They know that she wants the throne. Why don't you disclose this information? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, in a logical place, this decision makes no sense. And it's also just super aggravating because I'm like, oh, we still want to keep the secret is fine. Like, he doesn't have to know it was Merlin, but I don't know why letting him think a sorcerer killed. Yeah, magic killed his father. Morgana's magic. Yes. And, you know, you don't have to expose Agravain either. You can just say, oh, how did he get on my father? We maybe have a traitor in the castle. We've said that before. That was true. It can be true again. She literally got in the castle the last episode. Like, don't worry. Morgana's a fucking high priestess. She can do whatever she wants. She can do whatever she wants. And she did. So, yeah, I'm not happy with this decision. I don't think it's the strong decision either going forward. I know the show is pushing ahead a lot. 
But like this wouldn't have hurt it to let Arthur know the truth. It also gets aggravating to the point where like, Arthur never knows anything. It just logically, it, it really annoyed me because logically it doesn't make sense. You're not trying to protect Morgana. Arthur chose to use magic on his own. He deserves to know the truth. I would have rather, if they really wanted to keep it this way, I would have rather Gaius not find the necklace and Agravain take it off of Uther before he had a chance to find it. Yes. If you had to keep, if you really wanted to keep things the way they were, the logical decision was to have Agravain in the room with them and have him grab the necklace before Gaius could find it. But when that scene cuts and it's in Gaius's hands, I'm like screaming. I'm like, you have to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> so when they are by the bed, I thought that Gaius was going to show the necklace. And when we go back home, I thought that they didn't find the necklace. But yes, when I see in Gaius's hand, I'm like, no, no, this just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't. And Merlin goes to Arthur in his room and doesn't tell him. I'm like, hey, just tell him this is the perfect opportunity. I'm like, are you guys trying to protect Morgana? She's hidden. Nobody's going to find her. Protect her? I'm pretty sure we all want to kill her. She's already the enemy. She made Uther go crazy. Like, th there's no need to, like, protect her or protect Arthur from this information. He already knows. Yeah. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Me neither. I will say the actors were handed the script they were handed, and they played it beautifully. Alice pointed out how great Colin's reaction is to when Arthur tells him magic is pure evil, and then he walks away. And there's just that shot of him teary-eyed and exasperated just standing there. She also mentioned that Colin does not like being told when he's done something right. I love it. He apologized. It was actually really funny. She's like, we'll be on set. And I'm like, you did something really good there. And he's like, don't tell me. And he was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ugh, whatever. Agravain goes to tell Morgana, who's like kind of sad because it's her dad and she loved him. I don't care. Oh, my God. I give two shits, Morgana. Couldn't give two shits to your opinion right now. Be sad forever. Die for all I care. I couldn't, I couldn't disagree with any of that. <laughs> I mean, I'm already annoyed at the scenes before and this. I'm like, ugh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Actually, I did miss a moment where I really loved when Merlin runs in. Because we forgot to mention that he just knocked Arthur on his ass as Ragoon. Oh, my God. Yes. He's just like, nope. He comes back and I just love the way that they play the... Merlin runs in and Arthur looks at him and he looks at Arthur and it killed me. Anyway, all that happened. We get to the Great Hall with dead Uther. Can this be any more beautiful? It's impossible. No, and it's like such a nice fitting tribute to have like this moment with Anthony Head. Just all decked out. It's beautiful. The lighting is beautiful. The setup is beautiful. Everything is amazing. Amazing. It is. It's really beautiful. Outside, uh, Merlin and Gaius are having a chat. And Gaius is, you know, this is like, yeah, emergency pep talk. This is the, this was the bad thing that he was worried about. And now Merlin's devastated. And then when he says, he'll never know who I really am, that really breaks my heart. Because the idea of like, oh, bringing magic back, that's all like very abstract. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if this kingdom was full of great magic and the idea that the, your best friend in the whole world can't know you, that is real. That's, that hurts. 
because we can all relate to being so close to someone, but feeling like they don't know who we are fully. And I like that Gaia says, I am sure that that time will come. Just a little bit of hope, like we have to look to the future now. And Arthur is going to need you more than ever. He's be king. It would be nice to need him not hating magic, though. Couldn't we just have done that? We could. Couldn't, couldn't he need me as, like, court sorcerer? He does say something else important. Let's go and have some supper. I'm like, yes. And Merlin's like, no. I'm like, Merlin, don't refuse dinner. Dinner time with Gaius and Merlin. I'm sad. I'm like, no, don't deny us. I'm sad. Dinner time with Gaius and Merlin. I literally said dinner time. And I'm like, nope. Sad. But we do get, okay, so there's a great hall and Bradley James is just fantastic. Then we cut to the staircase with Merlin, which you gotta love. And the doors open up and Alice was so excited she got this shot with the light and the shadow. And I'm excited for her because it's, you know, when you're the director and you get your shot that you were excited about, it's exciting. It's exciting. This, I have to say, the shape of the scene of the staircase just from above, it's so great. I'm happy we're back here. I'm like, why aren't we always using this part of the castle? Yeah. Arthur says it's a new day. He's done his morning. He said goodbye. He seems okay. And he asked Merlin if he stayed there all night. And Merlin said... I didn't want you to feel that you were alone. It's just so nice. Like, you're a loyal friend. He finally says it. He finally says, you're a loyal friend, Merlin. No hesitating, no pretending it's not true. Yes, he's a loyal friend. And I love that he's like, are you hungry? Yes, starving. Okay, me too. Let's go eat. You can make us breakfast. Obviously, he'll make Merlin make the breakfast, but I like that you can make us breakfast and not meat breakfast we will eat together this morning yeah and that's really important it is it's a very small thing that sounds very important to me it does i this this moment is like arthur has been growing up a lot the whole the whole show but this is like the moment right where he has to this is it now i gotta be a real grown-up you're in it and he's at least for the moment letting go of this illusion that he and merlin aren't friends that Merlin is lesser than him because of their station. He can, if he can be in love and marry a servant like Gwen, then he can be friends with a servant like Merlin. So yeah, it's time. It is time. It's official now. About to be official. Yeah, the trumpets are sounding. Everyone's running to the castle. And King Arthur. This entrance with the cape is beautiful. This shot, I saw the behind the scenes of them doing this shot. It was very complicated because they did crowd replication for the Great Hall. I could tell. Yes. And uh, he was on a green screen when he was head on. And then the pan up. It's, it's very complicated stitching together of a bunch of takes. A lot of takes. It looked great. And Jeff is here. Jeff is here. He really looked great. Jeff is here. The crown is great. I'm partial to Fleur de Lis because of my family history. So there we go. I love how it's like a fake world, but no matter what fantasy happens, no matter what planet it's on, the Fleur de Lis always finds its way on a crown, no matter where we are. That is true. Yeah, it's gorgeous. The coronation is great. And, you know, they start with long live the king. Everyone's happy, but I think Merlin's the happiest. I think so too. He's so excited. I mean, love Gwen's face. She's so, so proud. I love all the knights, but yes, Merlin is so exciting. Yeah. It's a very good delivery because you can't hear him. 
you can hear everybody, but you can like feel a lot of energy from like the, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So here we are, King Arthur. It happened. Did happen. You asked a couple seasons ago, can Uther die? And I was like, nah, it's going to take till season four. <laughs> That's a while. You were like on episode two, you were like, can Uther die now? And I was like, oh God. Die. <laughs> I was like, in 40 episodes? <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, you and I have talked about this before in real life. At the end of the day, I feel sorry for Uther because he just, he was a lonely person that pushed most people away. And that is very sad. So at the end of the day, when he died, I really wasn't feeling mad at him. I was just sad. Yeah. But I'm glad he got to die with Arthur by his side. And defending Arthur also. Yeah, that's that's really important. He died saving his son and that's a good way to go especially with his track record it's the best way yes well nothing else to say but next week on merlin i'm just gonna say can i can i mention next week on merlin and not throw more shade at game of thrones <laughs> sorry look i did like game of thrones for most of the time i didn't watch the last season because everyone said it was shitty but yeah we got a dragon egg guys is working against us apparently I can confirm. And that's pretty much all that I have. <laughs> that that is the case. <laughs> for this news. I mean, I don't think there's much to say for next week. I think it's one of those episodes where you're like, it's almost like a, it's definitely not a one-off because it's important in the lore of the show and future episodes, but it leaves behind the arc of like, oh my God, Uther's dead. And just like, let's just have an episode. <laughs> like we get a little bit of a break from Camelot, which is... In my opinion, nice at this point. Let's get questy adventure time. That's all. I am excited for the next episode. It's an adventure. It's an adventure. It'll be fun. Uh, we need a break. We just need a break at this point. It's been five very intense episodes. We need a break. And after the next episode is a comedy episode. So I'm super <gasps> See you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>